0: Welcome to the Greatest Movies About Gen X Tournament Challenge. Not even supposed to be here today. Dear Mr. Vernon,
1: we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we
0: are. And you see us as you want to see us. In the simplest terms, with the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a brain... And an athlete. And a basket case. A princess. And a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. Excellent! Ours is a story that can only be told across multiple podcasts and decades.
1: Ten! Where have you been for ten years? I freaked out, I joined the army... I work for the government. I went into business with myself. I'm a professional killer.
0: From 80s pop to grunge and writing to finally being an adult, we will debate the best movies about the best generation
1: ever. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time?
0: I you in exhale? <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. The highs, the lows, and a whole lot. Dead-end jobs the will really be explored. Say a prayer for the youth of America. I don't know. Drugs are out, sex is out, politics are out. Everything is on hold. I mean we definitely need something new. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. So join us all, Gen X Mixtape, Gen X Grown Ups, Society owes me a Gen X Podcast, and Project Gen X, because no one else is looking out for us. Now fucking khakis. Ew, get off of me! Ah, oh, I'm it. And without further ado, the greatest movie about Gen X begins Now! Or whatever. Joe, it's Rex Manning Day. What? No applause? You met me at a very strange time in
1: my life. Alan and I are here today uh, for a very special broadcast, one that we did not anticipate. That is correct. Uh, We are very excited because... um, The Project Gen X podcast, which is another great podcast you should check out. If you're a listener of Gen X Mixtape, then you will like their podcast as well. Without question. And and
0: (laughs) it's it's hosted by... Dave and Al. And Al and Dave. <laughs> so, it's yeah, kind exactly. of weird,
1: like the weird, bizarro Yeah, it's very uncanny. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think they're down in the south in, in, in uh, Tennessee, I believe, and we're up here in the north. So, you know, it's yep. the, the mirror image of us, I guess. <laughs> um, but they reached out uh, to us and to two other Gen X podcasts, the Grown Up Gen X podcast, as well as the Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast. I love that name. I do, too. And decided to kind of get involved with this March Madness. Um, of course, March Madness is... Is NCAA basketball, and it's a tournament, and it seems like recently everyone's kind of been jumping on board to make brackets of other things. They, they really have, uh, yeah. you know, the best villains or whatever—Darth Vader versus uh, Voldemort. Whatever. Definitely trending. Well, even on our social media, you know, yes, right yes. now
0: it would—we've been doing this top, daily top five for for a while. I. Did not anticipate what we were about to do when I started that, but but it's, yeah, it, it is
1: trending. Yeah, so, so it, it's it's great to be involved in March Madness in a pop culture sense. It's uh, specifically geared toward Generation X. So uh, here's how it's going to work. Um, we're recording our portion of the bracket, our quarter, our um, sixteen, I guess. No, how many do we have? I think we have eight. Our eight. Uh, And I (laughs) I believe we have eight. And um, and math isn't my strong suit. And then the other podcasts have eight as well. And uh, they will choose um, the winner for each bracket. Right. And uh, it'll, it'll go down to the... Or maybe we have 16. I don't know. (laughs) It's what happens when you have two English teachers. Yeah, we have eight. We have eight eight movies. Okay. okay. And so we'll pick a winner of each bracket, which will then have gone to the elite eight. And then um, we're going to try. They're going to try to do some type of collaboration where perhaps all three or all four podcasts come together uh, and and record at one time. So that would be interesting to see if we can pull that off. If we can, I'm, I'm...
0: I think that would be phenomenal. Right. I, okay.
1: I can't even wrap my head around how that would work, but um Well if that doesn't work maybe we record our segments and they stitch it together. Perhaps not yeah, sure, but. but
0: but I would love to actually talk, you know, yeah, live awesome. live with these other podcasts because they are you know, giving them a listen. That folks, you, you really need to pay attention if you enjoy our podcast you are going to love these other three yes. so
1: no doubt no doubt so we'll record ours they'll record theirs and i think we're going to drop all four of them separately for the first round and then we'll see what happens after that round so um all right, so one thing, and again, we haven't really talked in, in much detail to the other, other podcasts, so I'm sure there'll be some differences. Um, we have a general guideline of, of what we're gonna go over, but um, Alan and I made a decision not to rewatch all eight movies. Correct, yeah. Um, we could have, it would have been somewhat time-consuming <laughs> in a very short period of time, <clears throat> uh, but that's not the reason why. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're dedicated to our craft here. We decided that, that well, first of all, like. It would be a six-hour podcast if we watched all the movies. It because would, yes. If you've listened to us, you know we go on and on, and, and it, it's nice. Um, maybe not having watched them and taking notes because we would just go on and on. Um, we could go on and on with one movie. You know, eight would, would take forever e- easily. But really, even even more than that, if we're going to talk about, and, and by the way, I don't know that I introduced this. What, what are we actually? What's the tournament bracket about? It's what is the most Gen X movie from the 80s and 90s correct and so the project gen x podcast came up with um you know how many eight times four 32 32. right 32 movies and um they decided these were the most representative of gen x and then they randomly assigned the brackets and randomly assigned the podcast to each um, quarter and so the kind of criteria is which of these movies is the ultimate gen x movie Mm -hmm. right and so, to me, if you know, we've seen all these movies. And some of these movies I haven't seen since the early nineties. There are two. Uh, there are two in our bracket I've not seen. Right. Oh, okay. And, and,
0: yeah, I, I, I just going to throw that out there. Um, one I've, I talking with you in the past. I, I have always wanted to, just never have have done so. The other. I, I'm not a David Spade fan. I, I'll
1: just throw that out there. Yeah, so it might be more of a Jeremy Piven film, but well, yeah, yeah well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I've, <laughs> not, I've not seen it, So, but um, yeah, so w- here's how, how at least I feel that if it's a movie that I haven't seen in 20 plus years, what do I still remember about that movie? You know, mm-hmm. whether it be intellectually or emotionally. That's the true testament to the film. right? And so if I still have memories um, that that really resonate with me, that says something about that movie being an ultimate Gen X uh, movie. If it's a movie where I literally can't remember any of the story or the characters, that probably isn't going to win the bracket. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. All right. So we're going to discuss which film Best represents Gen X and socially, politically, pop culturally—is that a word? Culturally, It is now, um, including the soundtrack. We're going to discuss the soundtrack a little bit, uh, as well as how well it represents our generation and how it's aged over the years. Because some of these movies have not aged as well. Uh, yes, and and yeah, you know, off the top of my head, one film,
0: especially, I'm I'm really glad it is not in any of the brackets. And what's that? revenge of the nerds oh yeah i i loved that movie you know at coming of age but the sexual assault that takes place in that film it's isn't
1: it crazy not to go on a tangent on revenge of the nerds isn't it crazy back then nobody thought twice about that being sexual assault yeah no one it's 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 really strange to me it's it's good that we've finally woken up to to these issues but uh yeah we'll talk about that too talk about some of these movies so Uh, shall we just get into it yeah let's do this because i have a feeling this is going to still be a long podcast even though we've tried to pare it down we should probably apologize to the other three right now (laughs) (laughs) well you know we're all about an hour and a half two hours in length we are normally so we're in this same ball i I just (laughs) i know how we get so (laughs) well the first um, uh, contenders I guess are the first pairing, uh, pairing Sure, um, is 1994's Reality Bites versus 1990's Slacker uh, Reality Bites was um, directed by Ben Stiller by the way I just watched a Ben Stiller directed uh, TV show have you watched Severance yet? No. Really good. Really? See, folks, this is why we get off on a tangent. Yeah. yeah. Really good. Uh, It's very lost-ish. I'm only a few episodes in, but it has a a really lost vibe. What uh, what platform? It's on Apple. Apple. Apple TV+. It's the one I do not have. So, well, I can give you my code. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, directed by Ben Stiller, starring Winona Ryder, Ethan Hawke, Ben Stiller, Janine Groffalo, and Steve Zahn. So right there, you have a huge oh. Gen X uh, all-star cast. And then you have Slacker on the other side, and that's directed by Richard Linklater, and literally um, has no stars at all, other than the fact that Louis Black does make an appearance, um, Teresa Taylor, the drummer from the Butthole Surfers, uh, who's on the... Movie poster um, is in in the movie, and Richard Linklater himself searched the movie out. So that's kind of the point. You know, these are it's kind of a nice pairing in the sense that I think both of them really hit the Gen X theme pretty hard here. But they're two very different films. So I'm going to step back a second, and just give you the floor, and right. let you talk about. You have you seen both of these?
0: I have never seen Slacker. Oh, I have not seen Alan. Slacker. I, I just I've always meant to do it. I've never. Never gotten around to it, I, which is going to make this pairing very difficult for me. Um Well, then yeah, I'll just I'll just tell you the yeah, vote. For yeah, <laughs> you're, you're going to have to just tell me because I um, I'll be honest. I when we're talking Gen X crushes, I was in love with Winona Ryder, so I want to give her the vote just on principle. And I was
1: kind of in love with Jean Garofalo, really. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, and I liked her snark. Oh, well,
0: she, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was good. I um. No, I I just have a lot of memories of Reality Bites, but of course I have no no knowledge of Slacker on the other end at all. Yeah, so Sl-
1: Slacker. Okay, so we'll, um, let's just take that first. Then Richard Linklater. I'm a, as you know, I'm a huge fan. Love the Before Sunrise trilogy, or mm-hmm. I, what do they call it now? The I didn't, Before trilogy. Yeah, I think the, there was something. To that I read that some too. kind of you know catchy name for it, but uh, love that. Loved. Um, um, Gosh, as I get older, as we Gen Xers get older, our memory starts to really <laughs> fail. Um, I loved it. What's the one with the uh, boy, uh, boyhood? Boyhood. Yeah. Boyhood. The same boyhood. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's done a lot of great stuff. We'll forgive him for bad news bears. But it all started with Slacker, which was basically a student film, you know, a very independent film, the film that, according to uh, Kevin Smith, um, really gave him the inspiration to make Clerics. And so Slacker was kind of the beginning of this independent film movement. Um, it's down in Austin. And I, I don't know for sure because we didn't do any research. That's another thing. We're just we're just going to talk about yeah. these movies and what we know, which is very foreign.
0: I have nothing in no, front of no me. Notes, no notes, nothing, <laughs> just no
1: notes. Because again, we'd be here for six
0: hours. Yeah, so we've we've we never
1: done this before. So, but uh, it was my impression that the, this basically the most of the cast were just friends of Richard Linklater and 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 the group of people he hung out with in college and extras from around town that he collected. And what was so unique about this movie, if you haven't seen it, is that it begins with one character being picked up. Uh, from the airport, that's Richard Linklater's character. He has a conversation with a taxi driver. great scene starts off really strong. And then um, one character, I'm trying to remember if it's Linklater that gets out of the taxi and, and moves on or if the camera follows the taxi. but the camera continues to follow one character to a new place, maybe walking into a coffee shop or walking into a restaurant. And then there's an interaction between a few characters and then someone from that scene, walks off and the camera so the camera continues to follow different characters throughout this entire movie there's really no script I'm not sure if it was improvised or just kind of I mean there may have been a script but not in the traditional sense there's no script there's no traditional story it's more about the ebb and flow of these characters but a lot of the issues they discuss and the circumstances they find themselves in are very Gen X now film editing uh, for
0: the film is it meant to be no cuts I mean just that's, One, that's 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 how it feels. Okay. I'm, well, I'm, I'm sure there are cuts. I'm yes. sure there are. But, but yes, mean, that's, that's the feeling of it. That's the intent. It's so kind it's, of, you're like kind of a
1: fly on the wall and you okay. just kind of so make your way through So it's
0: Hitchcock's Rope or it's uh, yes. uh, 1917 that, that came out. But all uh, of well, downtown Austin,
1: you know. Got it, okay. So, yeah, so to me, like, that really fits the... And by the way, I'm going to say this is the hardest pairing for me of all of them. Okay. This is the most difficult for me because I love Slacker. And if I were to name, like, five films that represent let's maybe say 10, 10 films that represent Generation X, these two would be on there. Okay. So th- this is a tough one for me. But Slacker, definitely, just because of, of what it was and how it kind of launched that independent film movement and really just hit those themes in an almost documentary style. Even though it's not a documentary, it feels really, really raw. Because it is really, really raw. Okay? okay. On the other hand, you have Reality Bites. Which, ironically... Uh, Leilani's character when on a rider,
0: I think that was what what her name was was Leilani She uh she is a documentarian. Yes. In that yes, fi- she in that is. film she's there doing go. Good segue li- live uh you know real real video I yes. I suppose. Yes. Um, which at the time they were, they were making a statement probably about the real world mm-hmm. on yes, M T V definitely. Um so yeah there there's definitely you know th- these these two films in my mind hearing your description yeah it makes sense that they are Paired with one another.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good pairing, but it's a tough one. I would, I, you know, I'm, i think they pulled these um, just randomly, but a lot of time, well, you know, most of the time, when you pair a tournament, you put the strongest candidates in separate brackets so they right. don't count, you know, um, you know, cancel each other out. But anyway, okay. So yeah, the reality bites. In fact, I just saw this uh, a few months ago. As did I. Um, not not
0: expecting to be discussing it right. on on a podcast, but um, yeah, I a few you know just a few notes because this one I I have a few things to say this was I from what I remember um, only St. Elmo's Fire in my mind had the the closeted gay character before Reality Bites Uh, I think it was Andrew McCarthy in uh, if if I remember correctly St. Elmo's Fire Mm -hmm. but Steve Zahn's character of course in here and I, I I I always thought that this was very tactful the way that they present that information. Um, or present that information like <laughs> I don't know what the hell that means. Um, but the, but the way they they handle that storyline, yes. that subplot. Um, you do, of course, have Ethan Hawke, he's the He's the douche, right? He's, 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 he's the grungy guy. Yeah,
1: he's, he's the he, he's a stereotypical Gen Xer who doesn't have a job. Yes. And I, I
0: from what I remember, he's been fired 12 times, I think, is what he brags to, Winona Ryder's character. Um, and then Janine Garofalo, she, she gets tested for AIDS because of a relationship. She's a bit she promiscuous. Had, yeah. Yeah. And then there's Winona Ryder. Yes. Now, Winona Ryder was one of my huge celebrity crushes. If we're talking Gen X, uh, and she was what movie did it for you? Oh, Heather's.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh Heather's. I was yeah. kind of. I was kind of disappointed we didn't get Heather's.
0: I was too. I was too. Um, <laughs> we got the
1: other Christian Slater. We, movie. we did. Well, there's several. Yeah.
0: But, yeah. but um, no, Heather's was the film. I mean, to that point, it was all Jennifer Connolly or it was Phoebe Cates, and then Heather's. I. I just my eyes opened to to Winona Ryder, and I was on. I was in love with her for a very long time. I, I almost want to give this to Reality Bites because my noted writer is in the film, but of course, it's very easy for me to say because I have not seen Slacker. So, what is your take?
1: All okay, right. So, going back to Reality Bites, yeah. So they hit all the hot button issues, right? You, you mentioned age. You mentioned you know coming out and how kind of '90s began the movement of people being able to to come out and society accepting that however like in the movie it, the, the hardest part and of course uh, it's not anything that i was able to relate to um but from what i understand right coming out to your parents is the hardest part yeah um, especially if you have parents that don't accept that lifestyle and that's if i remember it correctly in the movie the reason why he's afraid to come out is because he doesn't want to um bring you know inform his parents and disappoint his parents or whatever Correct. so yeah um yeah um hot button issues now you know ethan hawke is that stereotypical character and, and i wonder and a lot of these are satire and i think this has an edge of satire to it um what is the biggest cliche it's like we all just you know generation x just we were lazy we didn't care about anything i believe in, in your college um, apartment didn't you have a painting that's a generation x files and yes. so the truth is out there and then they said well who cares you know yeah. <laughs>
0: um yeah, yeah. um yeah, it was who
1: cares, and then uh, Scully's character
0: uh, wearing the Nine Inch Nails T-shirt says whatever. Yeah, it was, it was actually a great piece of art.
1: Right, and, and I would argue, I think we would all argue, that, that the reality of it is um, we may have been that first generation that refused to kind of buy into the American dream as it was presented from, you know, our parents' generation, grandparents' generation. Um, we didn't have, thank goodness, we didn't have a war in our generation like Vietnam. Of course, Desert Storm happened right um, but it wasn't there wasn't a draft um, it, 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 a college became um, I don't want to say affordable because it was very expensive but it became somewhat of a necessity it seemed like teachers forgot all about trades and said you know what Everybody has to go to college. So we were the first generation, I think, where where most people um, went to college or at least, you know, we didn't graduate, but at least tried. Right. Um, and it was the first generation where all a lot of these social issues started popping up. Of course, the 60s was a hotbed for social issues. And then the 80s got really conservative. And then the 90s, things started to kind of seep through again. And... The reason why maybe we didn't go out and sign up for a nine to five job for 40 years where we got a pocket watch at the end was because we really, we saw our parents weren't satisfied with that lifestyle. Yes. And we would rather be unemployed and live on our you know, roommate's couch or friend's couch uh, and, and sponge off him until we decided what it is we were going to do. Because, right, we were raised by teachers that allowed us to dream and wanted us to do something that fulfilled us as people, not just. Just punching the clock and taking the payment. So, that this movie hits all of these issues. It does, and and you know, in some ways, though, I think
0: that detracts from the film um, because it's almost like a by the numbers. You know, it, it's, I don't want to say it's formulaic, but. But does it seem that way now because we're looking back possibly, at it? Possibly. That, okay. that that may be an unfair, um, I may be misjudging because, you know, I am looking back at this point, um, but, but it is, you know, that movie was so spot on. We, we graduated from college right about the time the movie was released. I mm-hmm. think it was 90, 94, 94. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we graduated in 95. So it, it. 95? 95, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. So, um, largely, I mean, it was very, it was just apropos, you know. And Ben Stiller's character, I, I have to say something about Ben Stiller's character because we didn't say a whole lot about yeah, that.
1: This was the first thing I I remember seeing Ben Stiller in and I hated him after oh, yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> until, he, he, until he was I forget what movie he was in, I found him like, Oh, he's, he's he's a cool guy. Right. Yeah, well but that was by
0: design. I mean right. he, he's the director of the film. So right. I you know, he is that shallow character. He he has no personality, he's void of any substance, right. you
1: know, and, and what's about money for him? It, it is it about is. the, the yeah, he, money in the suits. He is
0: the yuppie, yeah, like and Carl. he is, you know, he's meant to contrast with Ethan Hawke's character very obviously. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I I wonder if this movie holds a. I, I wonder if I hold it in higher esteem because it was. Released at that time that we were graduating. And it, in my mind, it was just, it was us.
1: Yeah, I saw it at the Woodland Mall in Bowling Green. Yeah. So I actually saw it in, in, at college, in college. Right. Yeah, It could be, yeah. And I remember at the time watching it and I'm just trying to unpack all of it. So that's why I think maybe in retrospect, everything kind of fits a neat little box. But at the time, I'm not sure it did. Plus, think about it. this is the dawn of reality TV, and we haven't talked about that aspect of it yet, right? Because mm. cause, uh, Ben Stiller is an executive at this MTV-style you know, channel.
0: In Your Face. Yeah, it was, it was called In Your Face, yeah. <laughs>
1: and, you know, obviously a spoof of, of The Real World, which was the, kind of the first reality TV show at the, at the time. And After that, you had Road Rules and then Survivor, and of course, it just blew up. So now we look back, and reality TV is a given. But at the time, the idea of having a television show with a bunch of people living in a house together was, was pretty novel. Yeah. And the irony, of course, it wasn't reality. It was the farthest thing from reality. So the fact that you have reality bites, all sorts of things were together here. And of course, Winona Ryder has the classic choice between does she pick the the up-and-coming successful um, you know good guy quote unquote good guy even though he's kind of a douche and the slacker b- bad boy the one that you don't want to take home to your parents right but the one that really you have passion for and i think that's something we all faced as, as maybe any generation but especially in gen x right do we go for the stability do we go for the money or do we go for the passion and for the love and for the art and we, we kind of cheated, right? We went into teaching so we could get a little bit of each, right? right. <laughs>
0: With three months off. Yeah. Like I could have gone into <laughs> so, law
1: school. That was one choice. I could have right. moved out to California and tried to be a screenwriter. I kind of chose a middle ground. I, I chose a, a relatively stable position that allowed me to have time to do artistic things like podcasts, right? Yep. But that was that was our big decision, right? And this movie is a perfect uh, representation of that. It really is. I
0: I'm... I had to give it my vote. I have not seen Slacker. I mean, this really comes down to your decision.
1: Yeah, and this is a really, really tough one because Linklater is one of my top five favorite directors. I love his stuff. Uh, I love Slacker. But I just think, oh, man, see, because Slacker is so... (laughs) <laughs> Do we have to make a decision now? Well, I will tell you what. Let's hold it off for a second. Let's take a look at the soundtrack. Maybe they will help put it over okay. the top. Okay. Very good point. So let's take a look. Cause, and, and, and it's funny. The reason why I saw this a couple months ago is, is a friend and I, a friend of mine and I were at a like a library sale, and uh, I was looking for nerdy books, and uh, he was looking through the CD racks, and he came up with the Reality Bites soundtrack, I, which I actually have on my yeah, shelf. Yeah, I, I, I own it. And so that we, we got home, we're like, we, now we got to watch the movie. Well, I, right away. The first song that immediately comes
0: to mind is Lisa Loeb. Yes. Stay. Well, yes. You okay. Know, that was the that huge was, single. That was the defining song for
1: the. If I remember correctly, it was Ethan Hawke's neighbor, and, and she was just this indie coffee house performer, and basically he launched her into superstardom. Now she's on Geico commercials, but you know, you got to make the she? Right. I, I had no idea what became of her. Yeah, she's so. on Geico commercials since she's singing Stay. Interesting. You know, okay. You do? Um, but, yeah, my, but, yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. I was going to say, you have, you have the knack the with My Sharona. My Sharona, yes. So that's huge. Uh, oh, yeah. Julia Hatfield, Three, Spin the Bottle. Spin the Bottle. We played her at FAO when we, we did, were on the radio all the time. Uh, World Party, uh, The Posies, um, least Love, You Too. All I want is you. Was on that. Crowded House, Lenny Kravitz, uh, Ethan Hawke. Have to go back and listen to that. Yeah. Dinosaur Jr., Squeeze, Tempted. I tempted. think that was also yeah, a Tempted, a single. I think they re-recorded it for the film. And then Baby, I Love Your Way from Big Mountain. And that's what I was going to say. Big Mountain. I
0: remember the, You know, when that came out, you know, taking Frampton song and just it, it was a huge. Huge hit! It really is a fantastic soundtrack.
1: It is it, no, it's just one of the
0: one of the best soundtracks. I mean, if, if we're going to, if if that plays a role, I think. Well, I don't know. Does Slacker have a soundtrack? I don't it doesn't.
1: <laughs> according to my, okay, my, so, what I'm looking at here on the on the screen. So yeah, that may have to put it over the top. Okay, so I, if there are Richard Linklater devotees out there, you can send me all the hate mail you want because I deserve it. But I am going to give the edge to Reality Bites, um, Slacker as a movie was much more innovative and much more um, stands the test of time in the way that it influenced movies after it. Um, So I would say as a movie, I would pick Slacker, but Reality Bites just hits all the buttons with the Gen X thing. And that's what we're supposed to be talking about, right? right? That's our criteria here. So I'm going to go with Reality Bites. Okay. Yeah. And
0: it really does. I mean, hell, didn't she run up like a $400 phone bill with the psychic network yeah. at one point in the <laughs> yeah, film. Right. I mean, it, it is Gen X. Yes. It,
1: it just is. And, and the video camera, the fact that she's carrying the video camera with her everywhere she goes and she's, document, Which, she's documenting the real reality, right? And then yeah. the it gets turned into the TV station. It's edited to something that just yeah. isn't real.
0: Which we we had a history of doing that. We carried the video camera around. We did. Often. So we did. we've lost all those tapes. Yes. We have. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> a good
1: thing. It probably is, yeah. You're back to haunt us. Uh, oh, boy. All right. But, Okay, so So round one goes to Reality reality Bites. bites. Ding, 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 ding. Got it. Moving on. Okay, so the pairing for round two is 1994's PCU. Uh, The director was Hart uh, Bocher? Bocher? I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with uh, that director. It starred Jeremy Piven, Jean Favreau, and David David Spade, as you mentioned. And then 16 Candles, 1984 by John Hughes, of course, with Molly Ringwald, Anthony Michael Hall, and John and Joan. Cusack mm-hmm. just to name a few and by the way Obviously there are other cast members We're just going to hit a few right of, of, of the Cast members that uh, we really remember are, are still relevant today well David Spade maybe not as relevant today <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, All right Well do you do you want to start with this okay one? Well this is the second
0: pairing In a row I have not seen PCU okay um, I and i know maybe it wasn't david spade's film i mean he might have been a side character i remember I him being a side okay. character yes. but here's the thing with the exception of emperor's new groove mm-hmm. which i i do love emperor's new groove but with that ex- with that one lone exception i am not a david spade what fan what about grown
1: ups he was good in grown ups even grow I, I just what about his TV show don't shoot me I think it was called
0: yeah I think that was the name of it I,
1: I just I could not SNL did you like him on SNL
0: SNL I liked okay yes but that was an ensemble cast that you know he 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 had his def- definite role sure you know, within with Hollywood the, minute within the yeah, yeah within the context of the satire that they that they did I, I I just there was something so grating about his personality and and the nasal you know um the nasality of his. Nasality. Voice. That's
1: another new word. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: So I, it really just—I I was never a fan of David Spade. Even—and I love Chris Farley—but even their pairings, like Tommy Boy, I—I I can't, I can't do
1: it. David Spade just grates on my nerves. I. But I think that's kind of how he's typecast. It is. Like in Tommy Boy, he's supposed to grate on your nerves. But like Joe Dirt,
0: I'm like, uh, I, I'm, Dirt. yeah, I'm, I just everything about his persona just—it it has always rubbed me the wrong way. So I—I I had no desire to see PCU which is really sad because Jeremy Piven and John Favreau I love them both but I in fact I don't even know that I knew that they were in it I just knew it was David Spade well John
1: Favreau was was nobody at that time that's true I think yes. you know after this course he was in, in um, um, yeah yeah why can't I think of it swingers 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 and um, he was also then later in friends he had a bit part in friends <gasps> with Monica's boyfriend and then he just blew up and now he's given us the Mandalorian so I love him very much I love swingers yeah Great
0: I, I have not seen that in forever. I'm going to have to great, go back great,
1: and great watch that again. But um, yeah. um, no, now I'm going to be thinking about swingers. All right, so PCU. <laughs> okay, so here's a perfect example when I said a movie um, that I can't remember very well probably says a lot about that movie. All right? I want to say it was probably 1994 when I saw it, the only time I saw it, and that would have been in college. And that was really the beginning of that term politically correct, and like i said the 90s started opening up all of these issues and it seemed like our generation was a lot more uh liberal than than the 80s generation those that were kind of coming through college in the 80s Um, kind of a return to the 60s in trying to make this world a more equitable place Um, social justice and all that i don't think we called it social justice back then but there was a definite backlash right we see that all the time we won't get into that but there was a backlash because people tried to bring issues um feminist issues uh, obviously, race issues, LBGT. we didn't call it that back then either. No. But um, these types of issues we brought to the forefront, and then people came back and said, "Oh, we can't—we can't say his as the generic pronoun. We have to say he or she." Of course, now it's they. Right. So things continue to change. Um, We—I I think you were—didn't you get into a war I, with your I professor? Did,
0: yes. Uh, <laughs> well, she was a TA. In okay, fairness, okay. yeah, it was. Uh, Oh, it was it was a philosophy course that I had no business taking because it did not help with my major at all. But uh, what was it? Was well, we
1: fancied ourselves philosophers. We, we did, so. yes.
0: Uh, over many uh, yes. a cup of Joe and uh, you know <laughs> a, mar- a Marlboro cigarette. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I just she was she was I think the first one, and I'm I'm really kind of ashamed of it now. This is not something I take pride. No, in. No, no. But we were. Back. This is what college is for. But, yeah, but right? I mean, you know, I was young, I was naive, I was ignorant, I, I was foolish, and I fought her tooth and nail on that generic pronoun, he. Right. I just remember, because I'd always used it. I didn't know any better. Because you know. Brenda Neal, you know,
1: our English teacher in right. high school, drove it into our brain. She, she
0: really did. And, you know, when, when I got into this philosophy course, and I was told time and again I could not use the generic pronoun, he, and I just... Oh yeah, we we butted heads, but I really I, I don't think she liked me for a variety of reasons. I don't think that, that I, I
1: think the term ad hominem was used times. H- yes, <laughs> oh Lord. See, we learned a lot in that yes. class. Yes, I was um,
0: accused of ad hominem all of the well, time. Well, in that, that, that
1: class. term, that term woke, of course, is is way over. It was is used to a ridiculous proportion today yes. and taken on a whole uh, life of its own. But I will say, college did what it was supposed to do. Right? It took a a, a kid from a small city in in Ohio and really opened my eyes to a diverse group of people that I did not grow up with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't know any gay people growing up, although, I mean, I found out later there were people, of course, that were gay that came out later, but I didn't know at the time. Um, We did have a a racially diverse school, which was good. We did. Um, But there were all sorts of other ideas, and and of course, at the time, we we kind of pushed back on them and, and this whole idea of political correctness. But now we're on the other end of this, and so I'm not sure how... Well, well. first of all, and maybe I'm not being fair to the movie because I haven't seen it in so long, but I, I'm pretty clear it was a satire. Um, I, I'm not sure if it was really kind of just cashing in on all the backlash or if it was really trying to say, you know what? it's kind of good that we're changing some of these labels. It's kind of good that we're challenging mascots that are racist. It's kind of good that we're giving women of, of an equal voice to men. Um, I would have to think that's what the point of it was, but I bet you a lot of people didn't get that point. Oh, I'm sure they didn't. And it was probably I... to them a rallying cry, right? Yeah. Because these are all the things that they're fighting against. Right. In a way, PCU2 also reminded me of an updated animal house, because it was about a fraternity. They weren't allowed to have fraternities on, on campus anymore. And there's a freshman who kind of gets entangled in all these different. Um, I think they were like almost like a, like a West Side Story, not as gangs, but like there was a fraternity versus, I think, a group of feminists. And there were a group of, of stoners and they all kind of had their place hmm. in this drama. And this freshman was kind of the one that represented the viewer and kind of made his way through all of this mess, trying to make sense of it. But I think the point of it was trying to get frats back on campus again. And and they were deemed politically incorrect. And so Jeremy Piven was a character, if I remember correctly, was the frat boy trying to get fraternities back on campus, which is Animal House. And then we have old school, which came after it. So maybe there's a logical progression here. Yeah, well,
0: Animal House and the fraternities have their place. It, it's the del- yeah, but, the deltas are right, but they're under trying double to, double secret probation to stay on you know, campus, right? right? Yeah,
1: um, but but really, Animal House is, is kind of a document of the early '60s, late '50s, early '60s, and, and this, in some ways, is a stereotypical document of the '90s. Yeah, I, from what I remember, from from what you're you're telling
0: right. me, yes, uh, is this a movie that you think I should? C. I mean, well, that's it... hard.
1: It's hard to answer because it's one of those. I'm not sure if it aged well or not. Okay. Um. You know, and, and maybe in hindsight we should we should have watched some of these again. But again, we would it would have been bad. Um. Well, I don't even know. I, is PCU streaming on any of the platforms? I, I don't think it is. Okay. I don't think it's probably out of print. So that says something too, right? So the fact that yeah, it's not easily accessible, and the fact that I don't remember much about it, other than the fact that it really kind of tried to nail the stereotypical. PC terms that we were learning how to use, um, probably says it wasn't the best Gen X film.
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, I in my mind, and I have nothing to base this on because I, I don't know the film, but in my mind, I'm thinking that even if they were trying to make a statement, a, a very valuable statement, it probably was not presented in a way that... The kids didn't get it. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> right. exactly. I... um. I don't know. I mean, PC, the PC movement. I mean, what's what's really funny? You're right. I mean, there was a lot of pushback, and now it's it's just. I, I remember the day that I facepalmed myself. You know, and and just suddenly I just had that epiphany, and I understood. Yeah, I, this is. This is good. This yeah, is, well, this yeah, is yeah. What, what is meant we, we, to be. We matured. And what's sad is you're seeing that same pushback today with, you know, the, the accusations oh. of being woke. And and, being, and the
1: pushback is worse now because oh, it is it, it, it is all of the talk radio and, and yeah. social media has really kind of exasperated yeah. it. But, yeah, so um, I, I was going to say something else probably wasn't important. But, yeah, that one... Why am I cheap? Because I thought I had a good point. We're going to move on. So sixteen I, candles. I apologize. No, 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 no. Okay. It, it wasn't important. I would have remembered. All right, sixteen oh, candles. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Oh, I'm going to say. It go right. ahead. It is funny though how things come around, right? So it, it, we would say as kids, um, we would use they and there as the generic pronoun, and we were taught no, 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 that's plural, right? You use his, and then when we were in college, it was his or her, and now it's back to they and right. there again. So it's the same thing with um, African America. I found out we grew up calling, you know referring to black people. And then that was not PC. So it was African-American. Now, my daughter, who was 23, says, yeah, it's it's black again, because not everybody, right? Their ancestry isn't necessarily African. And, hmm. you know, it, it just and that's fine. I'm, I'm going to stay up with as much as I can. That's why I have kids and students to kind of help me in, in that. Um, I'll call anybody what they want to be called because yeah. they deserve to be called what they want to the way. Be called. Um, but it's just interesting how things sometimes swing back. Yeah. No, very true. All right. Anyway, see, it wasn't important, but that's what I was thinking. Go ahead. All right, sixteen candles. Yeah. I would not be surprised if this
0: wins. Uh, this may be in our, you know, our two contenders. I, 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 in my mind, it probably will be. I'm just looking ahead. Sixteen candles was. It was almost life changing to me. It was the first. I mean, I remember seeing Weird Science. But I don't. I, I definitely did not understand or appreciate Weird Science as a John Hughes film. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all about Kelly LeBrock and you know the the overt sexuality of her character. Sixteen Candles was the first time that I remember seeing a film that felt like it was made for us. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. um, I was never into Molly Ringwald. I'm probably uh, the only I'm probably the only Gen Xer I'm alive, alive with who was not I, I still kind of am. I was not in love with Molly. In fact, you want to talk Breakfast Club? I would have taken Alice Sheedy over Molly Ringwald any day. Uh, I just I've, I was never in, which is really weird because I am I love redheads, but nonetheless,
1: yeah, yeah I gotta disagree with you. On yeah,
0: that point. Well, go for it, which <laughs> which is fine because frankly, I mean, Anthony Michael Hall was the one who made this film for me.
1: You know, stealing. How great is it to have this nerdy kid yeah. in all these movies that we could relate to? And, and amen,
0: yeah. I, from from
1: National <laughs> Lampoon's
0: Vacation to Johnny Be Good, everything in between. Was this the I, first
1: generation to have like the nerdy stereotype actually be presented in the movie in, I, in a somewhat positive light? I, I think so. Okay.
0: And you know, John Cusack, of course, a minor character, but mm-hmm. he was he was one of Anthony Michael Hall's uh, friends in the film. Talk about just. This was a launching pad for John oh, Cusack. I mean,
1: the man it just, you know... Well, then you have Better Off Dead, and you have Say Anything. And yeah. Oh, all sorts of great Gen Better X Better Off
0: Dead. I love Better Off Dead. Uh, but, yeah, and so many of the films, you know, junk for, th- all the way through and including Gross Point Blank. And, yes. And, which is on the list somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. it is. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the brackets. Um, and High Fidelity. Yes. I mean, I, we are Gen X mixtape, yes, right? Yes, yes. Um, no, I, I just everything about 16 candles it just felt right and mm-hmm. it it's not dated i mean i
1: well, i well, well
0: let me let me say there I, is
1: one part that did not end okay i know I and i all. know exactly what yes, you're going to talk yes, about
0: yes, yeah yes. yeah um but in in my mind though and it's been a, it has been a long while since i've seen 16 candles but i i know this film Frontward and backward. I mean, it, of of all of the, the eight films that we were given, Sixteen Candles was one. If we were going to go back and watch films, I did not need to right. rewatch this movie, Long Duck Dong, and you know what's that yeah. happening, baby? I, I, yeah, that, that I, did I, not age well. No, it did not. But and again,
1: why did we think that was okay?
0: I yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, but you know, I just I, I remember Anthony Michael Hall, you know, in the in the auto body shop you know they they leave the dance Spandau about ball, ballet is playing as they leave the dance you know and they end up in the body shop and he's sitting there drumming on the wheel singing birthday by the beatles and I, it just this was someone i went to school with right right I and mean, he he was he could have leapt off the screen and he could have been one of us and to me that was just it was eye opening it, it really was
1: the best image is when he's trapped in the coffee table after the party and they tear it off and he's yeah <laughs> Great really? image. Yes. That and Joan Cusack trying to get water with their mouth brace. Oh, From the, yes, from the drinking yes. fountain. Again, I don't know why we thought it was okay to make fun of people with dental work, but. Uh, well, I had, I had <laughs> dental work, so. I, I had a uh, night brace. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I, I don't know. I just, I love this film. I still love this film. And what, if we're talking soundtracks.
1: Yes, and we'll get to that. We'll whew, get to soundtracks. Yeah, I mean, great 16 one. Candles. Um, well,
0: I don't know. I, with that one exception. Well, there are actually two. Parts I and mean, because if I remember, we, we just hailed Anthony Michael Hall's character, but he takes uh, what was now. Now this is really bad. What was the name of Ringwald's crush? Samantha, Jake. 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 Jake, Ryan. Jake yep. Yes, Jake Ryan. Um, because when when Jake Ryan's girlfriend, uh, he basically just hands her off to Anthony Michael Hall and, and asks him to take her home. We don't know if they did or did not.
1: Oh, that's true. Have she was sex. really drunk. She was really she drunk. She her hair on the door. Yeah, yeah. And yeah.
0: and the next morning, she's she's in love with it. It was yeah. it's very much in keeping with the Revenge of the Nerds yeah. in, in some respect, but but it, it was not shown, and it was not. It was very ambiguous. Right. So yeah, it's in my mind forgivable. Um, but the you know it was just the the Asian stereotyping today that I think mars the film uh, a bit. It does. It does. Um, I don't, I've been talking That's okay. A no. lot. What, 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 do you, well, what you are know, your thoughts? The
1: Holy Trinity of Molly Ringwald films. This is number one. You have 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, and Pretty and Pink. Right. And, um, yeah. So, what I find interesting about this movie is, is the, the movies have been so male dominated, and, and any movies that did feature women were for one female audience. Um, I don't know if this was the first, but it feels like this is one of the first um, movies that was made for a teenage audience in um, mass. That had a female character that we can all relate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the sixteen. It's a, her sixteenth birthday, and nobody remembers her birthday because they're getting ready for her sister's yeah, wedding. The wedding, right? So right away, you have this underdog character, and she's dealing with this. I mean, basically, all the things that she's dealing with. It's not just you know female. Um, issues it's issues that male and female teenagers teenage issues that we can all relate to correct and um at the time i didn't think about it but looking back i mean that that's huge right uh, being able to again we're talking about our generation starting to wake up to some of these issues and realizing hey um you know the white male thing dominating everything isn't probably the best course uh, there are way other voices out there that we need to um tune into and so i think this was a nice way of kind of breaking into that and re- relating to a female character think about Star Wars, I mean, you had Princess Leia, of course, but it was pretty male dominant. Lord of the Rings, I mean, mm-hmm. you had Galadriel, but that was about it. It was male, and all the A- heroes were male. Eowyn, give some, give Aowyn. some credit she to Eowyn. In the book, know. she was Mount the Mount know. um, yeah. But anyway, so um, that's huge. And then, yeah, the whole love triangle thing, which, of course, John Hughes loves, that's going to be explored later in Pretty in Pink as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to say, let's look at the soundtrack, but... I think this is a no-brainer oh, this on this is a, yeah, one. Yeah, it, it just is. Um, so we have uh, PCU. Okay, so we're going to take a look at the soundtrack here. Uh, we have Mud Honey doing Pump It Up. So that, that you know, okay. great song by Elvis Stella. You have a grunge band um, performing that, so that makes sense. We have George Clinton, which I think George Clinton Funkadelic is actually featured in the movie, if I remember correctly. Really? Yeah, so okay. that's kind of cool. Then we have a lot of indie artists, uh, like Screw, let's see, Swerve Driver, the Rosemary's, the Connell's. Stevie By. Um, Steve Vai is there, um,
0: so okay. But here's my question. Yeah, we have these these artists that
1: a lot of these are fair, covers too.
0: Yeah, and um, they fairly represent us, okay, uh, as as a generation. But were any of the songs on the soundtrack hits? No. So you have these these artists, right. You know, these indie artists with songs that no one knows, right? To me, that's, that's yeah, just... Yeah, that uh, that's not,
1: not, doesn't bode well here no. for them. All right, so we go to 16 Candles, and we have... Uh, uh. Let's see. Now, there were some originals, it appears, like 16 Candles by the Stray Cats. I'm, I'm guessing these are... Well, 16 Candles was a cover,
0: obviously. That was...
1: Yeah, yeah. What I mean is, it, it, I, don't know, I don't know if there was an actual soundtrack, because it looks like... Oh, there was. Was there? Yeah, you I, I, I owned it. it? Okay. I owned it, yeah. Because there were a lot of... Um, See the original soundtrack release as a special priced mini album containing of only five songs. However, the movie actually featured so, yeah, it was like more like an EP. What they actually released—really—is
0: that what I owned? That's more or about what you
1: owned, and that huh. included the Thompson Twins and Patti Smith and Stray Cats. So yeah, I mean that's that's Gen X. Well,
0: Patty, uh, yeah, Gloria by Patti Smith. But I remember the film though. I mean, you you did you had True, yeah, Ballet. So ballet.
1: right? Yeah. You had
0: uh, Bowie, David Bowie is in there. Uh, you know, yep, Young yep. Americans young is Americans. in
1: there. Tenderness from General Public, Rebel Yell from Billy Idol. Um, wham is on the soundtrack. Oingo boingo. Wham? What? 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 Wham song? Well, on I, it? I'm not familiar with the song. It's called Jung Guns." Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't know that one. Um, but but of course, John Hughes, he had the best soundtrack. Oh, he always did. And he was tuned into alternative music before we in Ohio really got alternative music. So I remember hearing New Order and the Smiths for like the first time. Um, you know, in the Pretty in Pink soundtrack.
0: Turning Japanese by the Turning Japanese, oh We have Night
1: Ranger on there. Yep. Um, Peter, Paul
0: Young. Peter Gunn. Yeah. That, that's when he kicks open the, <laughs> right. the, the toilet stall and brings out Molly Ringwald's panties, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm looking at this soundtrack. It may not have been released. Right. You know, proper, but, that, well, yeah,
1: these are all, yeah, these this are. This is an
0: incredible yeah, soundtrack. Incredible. It's, it's Tim
1: Finn from Crowded House st- is featured. Stevie Ray Vaughan bon is there, yeah. Kajagoogoo, Night Ranger. The vinyls The vinyls? The vinyls ring me up, so, yeah. Holy hell, okay. Yeah, yeah. Farmer John, I wonder if that's a cover of uh, Neil Young's, wait, his Farmer John? I don't know, when did that come out? Whatever. Yes, okay, so we've decided, do, can we just say it right now, we agree yeah, 16 Candles is a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah,
0: without question.
1: Now, not that we're going to discuss this, but I, you know, Breakfast Club is on the list, so somebody will be debating that. Um, so there might be a, I'm not sure how it's structured, but there may be a face-off between the two John Hughes. Um, Could be. But Pretty in Pink. See, I don't know. I, I, I like it, Sixteen Candles, but I'd almost say Pretty in Pink may have been a better film to represent Gen X. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, Ducky's character is, you know, you talk about the... It's the same
1: uh, archetype. Yeah, it as, really is. It Hull's is. Character.
0: And, and it, it was done, you know, in a, in a
1: much more... Well, he's much more rounded. Yeah. I his character's much more the, rounded.
0: This sincerity, the sincerity, just the, the frankness of, of his character... Is is Pretty in Pink on the on the bracket? I don't remember seeing that. I don't think it is. Yeah, because I uh, I remember
1: we can't and you can't have all John
0: Hughes. No, you, you could do a whole bracket you, with John you really Hughes. Could, yeah. Film, so. Because I remember looking through it, and I I don't want to steal anyone else's thunder, but I didn't see Ferris Bueller. I didn't see Pretty in Pink. I didn't see some kind of wonderful.
1: Um, I think it was just the two. Yeah. I think it was just Which 16 is fine, Candles and breakfast, can breakfast Club.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. But, uh,
1: but yeah, I, I would just say maybe they're both very similar films. They are. But Pretty in Pink is just a little more mature and a little more serious. Yeah. And the characters are a little bit more realistic. Uh, I mean, for even, even Jake Ryan is just a stereotype of the beefy, popular guy. Whereas Andrew McCarthy's character in Pretty in Pink uh, is it Blaine? I think his name Blaine. is Matt. Yeah, yeah. He's he's he no. He's he's fleshed out just as much as the as the other two. So, yeah. All right. So we're good for round two. <laughs> okay. So round one was Reality Bites, and that was a tough one for me. And round two, easy one for both of us with sixteen candles all right so how, how are we doing on time here alan because ah um, that's very good oh 45 oh, we're, minutes we're, we're good not doing bad at all we're, we're doing
0: wonderfully see, okay. we should
1: do all of our shows with no notes <laughs> <laughs> and then people wouldn't have to listen to us in seven installments
0: yeah i hmm. yeah. <laughs> we shall see I don't well, know. well
1: we we do have a concept where we're kind of tossing around for not next season next season's going to be the same right as gen x uh, mixtape but, uh, but for the season, season after, after yeah. yeah kind of keep things fresh
0: Okay, well, finally now, I've seen the remaining uh, four films, so I I no longer need to defer to you to to explain anything to me. The the next matchup, folks, it is 1990s Pump Up the Volume against 1985's St. Elmo's Fire. Now, in my mind, this is, I think, when I first saw the pairing, I thought, well, this one's going to be hard. But then I started thinking about it, and I don't know that it is. Both both movies in my mind are a bit flawed, mm-hmm. for one thing. Um, which, which one do you want to talk about first? Well, uh,
1: first I'll say um, Pump of the Volume was, was uh, directed by Alan Moyle, and yeah. it stars Christian Slater. He's he's really the only standout star that he is, I'm, yeah. I'm with. And then Sam was fired, complete opposite, right? You well, have I'm Joel s- Schumacher, who was a huge director in, at that time, and you have Emilio Estevez, Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, Andy McDowell, and, and there are others too. Yeah. It, um, this is the film that introduced the world to the Brad Pack, the
0: Brad pack. which is a was a very unfair uh, misnomer, you know, thrown the, kind of bevyed at this group of, of actors.
1: Um, you know, what would have been interesting again in hindsight, if we do this again, we can suggest it um, if each of the four brackets would have dealt with a different theme. Okay, because Reality Bites and Saint Elmo's Fire both deal with people graduating from college and going into the real world and trying to adjust to the real world, True. right? Yeah. So you could almost have like a, a love triangles qu- quadrant, a quadrant with you know finally going into the real world. I qu- I don't know. I'm just thinking in terms that would have been a good matchup, Saint Elmo's Fire and Reality Bites, because they're very similar thematically. Yeah. Although one takes place, one's in the '80s and one's in the '90s. Right. So they're, they're about ten years apart. Okay, so. Uh, so okay, when you want to talk about pump up the volume? Yeah, let's let's do pump up the volume. Because I don't first. remember it very well.
0: Okay, pump up the volume. I saw that not too long ago, actually. Okay. Um, and is he the same character? I remember being the is, same character as, as he others. is. Yeah, uh, Christian Slater's character is young Jack Nicholson. Yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> and, but you know, honestly, I, I with the exception of Interview with the Vampire, I don't think Christian Slater ever played a different character. Right. I think Legend of Billie Jean. Uh, was he in that?
1: Wasn't he? Maybe not. I don't. I Why just I, I just remember me. Helen
0: Slater. I don't remember okay. anybody else.
1: I, I maybe that Slater thing. Maybe that stuck in my head. May, I thought maybe he was in there. I. It, anyway, it wasn't a good <laughs> film.
0: Pat Benatar wanted to remove her her hit single from that film. Right. <laughs> so that tells you everything you need to know. I um, <clears throat> the volume. It was it was you know the quiet, awkward, shy teenager who could be himself and could be daring and adventurous, and he could. He could be the extrovert that he wanted to be on his pirated radio station. Uh,
1: and He's like disguising his voice. Correct? Yeah, he's yeah.
0: disguising his voice. He has um, you know the the equipment, and I love that he uh, he said that he you know he bought it all at Radio Shack, which, <laughs> uh, which frankly, Rip
1: Radio Shack.
0: There is you know if you want Gen X, there, I miss there Radio there Shack. There you go.
1: Right. I have to order stuff on Amazon if I yeah. want a little barrel connector now.
0: Now the, the film though, it was really you know it's very layered, and I you know when i was watching it not too long ago i was really kind of surprised i didn't remember it being so dark because it begins with you know the the kids in the high school he's he's new to the school of course um doesn't know anybody he's a loner he's just he's awkward and shy and you know the kids start picking up on this on this pirated radio station he that he has and, and he comes on every night. Every night at 10 p.m., I think, is when he comes on.
1: And the and kids, folks, the fact that it's a pirate radio station when we have the internet now, it just shows you how things a- have oh, changed. Absolutely. Because now you would just have a podcast and no one would listen to you because there are three million podcasts. It's, yeah. But back then, yeah, it's a pirate yeah.
0: radio. So and he, there's this scene early in the film where one of his classmates um, sends a letter to, to him uh, through the P.O. box, and he opens it up, he reads it, and it says, should I kill myself? And he initially, I mean, there's a phone number, so he calls the the student, uh, you know, his classmate, and he's he's very flippant, you know, early on, which, of course, in my mind, that was, again, just an extension of Heather's, Mm -hmm. which, you know, that was the entire… You know, he sent- does the
1: same thing he goes into this community right. he's he, you know, a yeah. new kid and he stirs things up yeah so and
0: long story short the, the student his classmate that sends this letter in large part because of how he treats him <clears throat> over the phone on the radio the kid ends up committing suicide and that is what kind of makes all the adults aware of what's happening and eventually. Also a theme in Heather's. Yeah. Is, it, is this the it, same exa- movie? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the feds get called in, you have the FCC. and But the larger point is that it is really about, um, the the film was really about equity and education, hmm. which That's I did not remember until I, I watched this again recently, because there was a school that um, they would get government funding for the numbers of students that they had. And then within the first, I think, 30 days of the school year, the principal of the school, she expelled and or suspended like almost, you know, well, she, she suspended anybody that didn't have the high test scores huh. is yeah, what ends up happening. And, but she doesn't take these names or actually she expels them. She doesn't take their names off of the books. Oh yeah, that's. that's so
1: that's they're that's still the getting crime, government right?
0: funding yeah. and you know, as the film continues and, and I was watching this, I was I was just really taken aback because I didn't remember this plot at, at all. I remembered Christian Slater being Christian Slater on the radio.
1: I and remember something about a cock ring, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I never the, thought I would say yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, the cock ring, Yeah. <laughs> that's um, what I remember from the movie. <laughs>
0: that, that that plays a prominent role in the film, actually, <laughs> sadly. Um but yeah, it really is it is just a continuation of his character from Heathers and of course the, the you know the unfortunate thing is he does not have one Ryder there with him this time, and it's it's not a bad film. It's actually a fairly good film, and and I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised, at you know some of the the very mature themes that take place in the film. But
1: it's it doesn't hit Gen X very. It, it doesn't. Well, does it? No, okay.
0: I, it's just not. I mean, how many people did we know who who you know? could get away with such a thing ferris bueller aside of course but ferris bueller was having fun he wasn't stirring people into rebellion necessarily um but i mean it really you know he's just trying to bring chaos to the school and he's trying to cause waves and you know there is this equity in education and, and they do talk a lot about testing which really came after us
1: yeah, we were in Standard, a lot of pilot yeah, programs, we, at least in Ohio.
0: Yeah, I and mean, standardized testing was not a part of Gen X. I mean, we we escaped that. Um, it came immediately after, but so much of what's happening in this film, it to me, it's 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 not it's not Gen X at all. Um, is it a good film? Uh, yeah, I, I think people would enjoy it. I just don't know that it. It certainly isn't a movie that's it's gonna if we if we advance pump up the volume it's going to die a yeah, quick yeah, yeah, death.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it just well, works. and the fact that St. Elmo's Fire has the Brat Pack right right, right there probably <laughs> helps it win oh, yeah. without even talking about the movie. But like I said earlier, it's it's this idea of whereas... And a lot of people erroneously think this is a John Hughes movie.
0: Yeah, it's, it is not.
1: Um, no. But it does make sense. It's where The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink grow up, right? It's, those are characters in high school. These are characters that are in college and graduating from college and trying to make their way in the world. Which, by the way, two of these characters
0: are college graduates from Georgetown University. And then a year later, they are... High school students again. <laughs> I mean, Emilio Estevez and Judd Nelson are in both films. Right. Actually, Alice Sheedy as well. Yeah. Is, it, so three of them are. Oh, was this actually. before Breakfast Club? Yeah, this is was before okay. Breakfast Club. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, I've been to the bar actually, where this was was filmed in, in Georgetown. My first time I went to DC. We stopped. Very cool. Yeah. I was just gonna say I've been to the Exorcist stairs. If that oh yeah. Me <laughs> me if well. that I think it, actually, it's in th- same same area, same block. Yeah. But um, yeah, so again, you have a lot of stereotypical type. You know, you know, Rob Lowe was the Peter Pan syndrome, right? He refuses to grow up. Right. And he, uh, you have the the newly married couple, or maybe they're just living together. Uh, um, no, they they are married, and it's it's a very troubled. He can't, you know, he's constantly cheating on her. Yeah. Like I think you already mentioned, there's the closeted gay character. Andrew, Mc- Andrew
0: McCarthy. Um, um, what was his name, Character's name? I um Blaine. No, not Blaine. That's
1: Pretty in Pink. Yeah. Um, I'm totally. I think there's Blaine is also in Less Than Zero too, and I, he must. Well, yeah. that wasn't John Hughes, but that I don't know anyone named Blaine. But it's in yeah, the movies it, it, a lot. Right, yeah, um,
0: um, oh, I can't think of his. What What was his? Uh, it doesn't matter.
1: Well, we can look right here because we have it okay. here. So what was his well, I was gonna character's say, uh, name? Who are you talking about? Uh, Andrew McCarthy. Andrew McCarthy is? Oh, he's right there. Uh, Kevin.
0: Kevin. Kevin. Okay. Kevin. Yeah, Kevin is the closeted homosexual. And uh, was it Mayor Winningham's character, I think, is the one that has a crush on him and yes. does not know that he is, uh, is closeted. Uh, Demi Moore. The, the rich girl, right? Right. She
1: was the rich, spoiled girl who tries to kill herself by yeah. fr- which I never got. She was going to freeze herself to death, yeah, opening I, the windows. Yeah, it, it was such a dramatic scene, and I'm like, what? What? What's happening? Yeah, here? Yeah, I never understood. It's not like she's taking pills or something. And
0: then, and and then you had Emilio Estevez as the stalker, because I, that's the one thing I do remember about this film, and, and for that reason, I don't that subplot. I think. If it were made today, it, it gets dropped from the film because he stalks Andy McDowell's character yes. through the entirety of this film.
1: Yes, she's like an older woman.
0: She, she's love an it, older right? woman, yeah. and he is. I mean, he's very menacing. And then, of course, he wins the girl. You know, by by movie's end, which uh, nothing like Stockholm Syndrome to sure, you know sure. make make a film. Um, I don't know. To me, though, I mean, it's the clear winner over Pump Up the Volume. But that was Fire, I was never a fan. I just wasn't. I thought the characters were not likable. I didn't, I, none of them. I didn't think any of them were likable characters. I didn't think that watching the film, there was no chemistry between them, which is really funny now, given this is the Brad Pack. Right, right, right. But I, I, I don't know if it was Schumacher's direction. I don't, I don't know what happened, but I'm watching this film, and I, I just remember thinking, even back in the 80s, these seven characters would not be friends. Maybe
1: that's the point. I, They're growing up and drifting away into different.
0: Well, that's, that, that is a fair point
1: yeah because at the end remember they go to a different bar where there are less kids which is kind of representative of how they're ready to move on yeah um, very true I don't know I just yeah I, and again I haven't seen it in a while so it's hard for me to, to gauge that aspect of it but I do remember at the time uh, well, of course there's a great Billy Joel reference too do you remember that
0: uh, yeah.
1: Ali Sheedy and Judd nelson's uh, the, the couple, they're, they're breaking up or threatening to break Brenda, up. Brenda, and they're splitting Eddie. their stuff. Yeah. And he says, you can have whatever album, but don't take The Stranger, I yep. think he says. He goes, that's mine. Because think about it. Like, that, that was a great metaphor, buying records together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you split yep. up. Well, who gets the record? You know, yep. like, who gets the cat when you break up?
0: Kind of I, I don't know. I just, Sand Fire, from what I remember, it... I think we look back on it today, and there's this this there's just this this nostalgia that that goes with it, you know, f- for the cast largely that I think people remember it a lot better than they did. Because here's what I do remember about this movie: there was not one, not one critic liked this movie. Hmm, okay. It was a total, I and mean, it, it made money because the audience was there. But every movie critic, everyone of renown. They, they just, they hated this movie. I mean, they d- it did not receive one favorable review. And, you know, it also was not, re- it was very much like Friends, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. because Friends, you know, you have, you know, the the six characters who somehow they managed to afford the very best of New York City, <laughs> right. you know, uh, which is not remotely possible. These, these seven characters from Santa Most Fire, they're wearing clothes, and they are driving cars, and they are living in apartments that college graduates with no, no discernible, you know, income. They're not living this life. I mean, it was very, it, it was not rooted in reality. So
1: that's where reality bites—is true, more true. To, and in another film, Singles would be a good one to pair this with. S- yeah, Singles. Way. Singles are very similar thematically, but they're not living. No, yeah, Singles would be a fantastic. Yeah, they're, 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 they're basically scraping by, you know. Yeah,
0: I am. Um, well. I, I was just going to say that the, the one thing we haven't talked about is John Parr. Yeah,
1: right? I was going to say, the soundtrack, though, you yeah. may be known more for its soundtrack, because it did have a few hits, if I remember correctly. One was uh, them instrumental. It,
0: well, it had the one. I mean, it had Man in Motion, but...
1: Yeah, but also, I think the love theme for A Sandimless Fire from David Foster was a hit as well. Was it? Yeah.
0: Okay, I don't... Let's take a look here
1: at the soundtrack. Oh, they don't even list the tracks, so that's not a good sign. But yeah, we do have the theme song um, "Man in Motion," which, if you listen to the Gen X Mixtape podcast, um, you'll remember that that song was written about a a guy in a wheelchair who's trying to raise money by um, raising money, going around the world. Had nothing to do with with the movie at all. Um, By John Parr. Um, See what else? Uh, I mean, I know, I I do. Yeah, I love theme from "St. Elmo's Fire." Let's see, so Man in Motion went to number 1 and oh, Love Theme went to number 15, number 15 as okay. an instrumental song, so
0: So it had it had two two hits.
1: 15 is still top 20. And I guess there was a soundtrack album, but it doesn't uh it doesn't list it here on our source, so huh. not very memorable. Let's see what the soundtrack looked like for Pump Up the Volume. Pump Up the Volume has a very Now, I don't
0: know if it actually I don't know if they released a soundtrack, but I do remember when I was watching it recently, it was... Oh,
1: heck. Yeah, well, he's a DJ, so that makes yeah, sense.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, it was
1: Leonard it was like... Oh, you got Pixies, like, uh, was, Pixies, you got Soundgarden, Sonic Youth. Uh, oh, everyone knows. That's Leonard Cohen song uh-huh, It's yeah. performed by Concrete Blonde. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, who else was on? Beastie Boys is... Oh, the, the, oh yeah, okay. uh, yeah. Wave
1: it, of Mutilation from Pixies. That's awesome. And then other songs that weren't on the soundtrack in the film, So there's the Leonard Cohen version of Everybody Knows, right. which later became uh, Natural Born Killers used that as yeah. well. Yeah, they did. Um, who else do we have here? Ice-T. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I'd say as, as far as a soundtrack, this one this one's is definitely um, more Gen X. Far and away
0: better, yeah.
1: Um, Peter Murphy.
0: But yeah. does a better soundtrack beat the Brad Pack?
1: Yeah, so are I, we gonna have our first one that we disagree on, maybe? I, I don't I don't know, I, I just... See, I'm gonna lean towards St. Elmo's Fire, just because, to me, it hits more of those themes of <laughs> the Gen X narration growing up. Again, maybe not as good of a film as Pump Up the Volume, but hitting those Gen X themes, even if it wasn't as well made, to me fits a lot better yeah. plus nobody would forgive us for tossing out the Brad pack this early
0: uh, yeah i um well and i was gonna say no we do we do not have uh we're not in disagreement here. okay yeah i cinema's fire has to be the contender it does move forward i don't see i do not see cinema's fire winning you know being crowned the the gen x film but um it's the Brad pack Yeah, you know and, and that was that was the point i was trying to make is probably the volume might have a killer soundtrack but
1: It's the Brad Pack. Yeah, no, I get you. Yep. Yeah. So. So we say round three goes to St. Almost Fire. Yes, it does. All right. Okay. And now we have our last. Uh, contention or last contenders would you like to uh, introduce those well this
0: one I thought was just a really odd pairing
1: honestly Um, we have less than zero which is the reason why I never tried cocaine by the way I saw this movie and I never tried cocaine because of this film
0: well I'd never I'll be honest I never had the opportunity to try it I didn't I would not try it I don't want to make it sound as though I was you know wishing that the opportunity would arise but um, I never I mean in my experience I know we had drugs in the community. I know we had drugs in school. We knew someone who, you know.
1: Kind of fried his brain.
0: Yeah. But I I don't know. To this day, I wouldn't know where the hell to go to get cocaine. Well, it's it's
1: made a a big comeback. Has it really? So anyway, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I always told my kids, nothing that can kill you in in one sitting. And cocaine definitely can't.
0: Well, is it? See, this is my ignorance. Is, Is cocaine? come back to the level of heroin or is or
1: well they're almost two different things they, they are yeah. um, heroin more because people are addicted because the opioid right, crisis yeah. and, and so forth where cocaine is more of a recreational drug it and, is yeah college campuses and so but, forth but anyway
0: yeah less than zero what i was going to say it's 1987 uh andrew mccarthy is in it jimmy gertz i loved
1: Jamie gertz great. She's great
0: robert downey jr of course he is the he is the
1: you know, well, f- he embodies this role because he had his own struggles yeah, with drugs, he did. clearly.
0: Absolutely. And then you had uh, James Spader. Who was James Spader. The, he was the dealer, right? <laughs> he's the he bad. was think he's I... such a dick,
1: but I love yeah. I love his characters.
0: <laughs> Every time. Has he ever played a likable character? Well, i
1: Bo- Boston Legal. He, he was great. Um, okay. At the Office. I love Robert California on The Office. Yeah. But yeah, his eighties roles and Pretty in Pink specifically, and um, and well, he always he always had the cardigan no. around his neck. Yeah, yeah Pretty in Pink. Yeah. The moment you have the sweater around your neck,
0: I and mean, and he was just yeah, he he was he was the stereotype for the the, for, the rich
1: kid villain. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, it, it it's a pretty impressive cast.
1: Yeah frankly. Um, it was based on a book that was very popular was. and very acclaimed and the uh, author was not very happy. He no. said it didn't yeah, resemble his book at all. I've never read it. Correct.
0: Yeah, I've not read it either. Um, and of course, this was The Bangles. They took Simon yes. Garfunkel's yes. Uh,
1: Hazy Shade Haze of, Winter. Shade of yeah. Winter
0: and turned it into a, a huge hit. Um, but it is such a downer.
1: It is. Well, I mean, it's, it's, dark, it's dark, It is dark. a dark
0: film. I mean, the only movie that has ever come close and it's actually a better film it would be... Um, Requiem for a Dream.
1: Oh gosh, which yeah, is even darker dark. yeah. than Less than yeah, Zero, yeah, yeah. But,
0: but also not Gen X. Yeah, Less than Zero. It's it is a movie I saw once, and I never want to yeah. see it
1: again. I mean, at the end, like Robert Downey Jr.'s character dies. Yeah, I mean, and then they go off. Into yeah, the sunset.
0: And it. I mean, I I know drug use was it was a hotbed issue. You know, say no to drugs, Nancy Reagan. I, I get all that, um, but it's just it's so dark who the hell would want to crown this as the gen x film i mean it, it's just yeah no
1: it, it, it represented an aspect of that but it, it if anything else just because of like you said the nancy reagan just say no uh the fact that i won't go into detail here but you know at a certain point he can't pay for he can't pay james spader uh for the money that he owes in drugs and so james spader basically pimps him out yeah
0: yeah he does. and
1: um i just remember watching it saying oh my gosh how low how low can you go I, I, in terms of getting addicted and so I think that was the main reason why I didn't want to try it I didn't want to well I didn't want to die in one sitting and have too much because Len Bias also if you remember was um, I was a big Celtics fan growing up and uh, yeah. he was um, he was drafted by the Celtics and then and celebrating that evening overdosed on cocaine and died so there was a lot of you know Cocaine things around me, and I said, "I just don't want to deal with that." Well, it took it took Belushi from us. Yes. You know, well, it took a lot of people. It took from a lot us. of people. Yeah,
0: it did. Um, so
1: yeah, I, I agree. I wouldn't. I, uh, this will be a tough one to put forward. I mean, but compared to what it's up against, I don't well, know. Maybe I. I am going to push for what it's up against. Okay, all right. I am. I, I, well, I know you're a big horror.
0: Fan. I am a horror junkie. Yes, and folks, it is up against 1984's Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, in fairness. I do not see how Nightmare on Elm Street embodies Generation. X. I mean, did it give Gen X a, a an iconic character? Did it launch the career of Johnny Depp and Wes Craven? And I Wes mean, Craven. Wes,
1: so Wes Craven is definitely a Gen X he director yeah. in terms of what he produced yeah. for our generation.
0: Absolutely. And Johnny, I mean, this did it launched Johnny Depp's career. Heather Langenkamp was she was big for for she had her fifteen minutes following right, this right, film. Right. Um, Robert England, of, yeah, course. of course, yeah. I mean, he already had some. Some um, recognizable—the name had some—
1: We saw him speak at Comic-Con. We
0: did, yeah. yeah. Actually, I was going to ask if you wanted to go this year, because the entire cast of Clerks is going to be there. Really? The entire cast, yes. Um, Kevin, yeah, every one of them. Um, But I digress. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) um, yeah, it it just—I'm going to push Nightmare, and I'm going to do it because you have this iconic role, you know, I mean— Robert England. I mean, he played Willie in V. Do you remember V? I do. I loved I do. V. I yeah. loved that TV
1: show. Yeah, I think that another Gen X yeah. miniseries that I think Absolutely, yeah. watched.
0: But, you know, he, he had some, he had some cred, you know, credibility from having played in V, but this movie turned Robert England into such a phenomenon that, frankly, it, it, you know, overnight, I mean, he, he, was right there with, with Leatherface and Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers. I mean, who would have thought that in nineteen eighty four you could have some some character rise, you know, through the through the, the horror fandom that fast because you already had so many, you know, major iconic characters that it, it didn't seem like you had a place for anybody new. And England's character, I mean Freddie is scary. He's a scary character. I, I just I, I think it scared the hell out of Generation X and I think for that reason alone because Generation X we had our share of nightmares you know and I don't know I'm not suggesting there's any great symbolic meaning to anything in but this film.
1: I think I can make a case. Dare okay. I read too much into this? Well, I do this a lot. Hey, I love when we do it's it. It's the English teacher in both of us that I, do this, yeah. okay? So it, it, it's, it's a white picket fence neighborhood. It, it is. It, the house, if I remember correctly, even has the, what do you call it, where the vines grow up? The, tre- the, the trellis. <laughs> the trellis, okay. Yeah. So it's very much the American dream ideal. Yeah. Okay. We already talked about this, how our generation wanted to pursue dreams maybe beyond the white picket fence suburbia, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of a scary thing to go beyond what is safe, to leave home, to maybe go to California, to go to New York, to pursue something else. Mm. And so is there some symbolism here of these kids who live in suburbia, who really, frankly, compared to lots of places in this country and the world, have it made. Yeah. By rights, maybe shouldn't leave that, because they're in a really nice spot, but they dare to dream to do other things and not do what their parents did, and there's a lot of fear yeah. to do that.
0: When, you know, I'll, 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 I'll see your, your bets <laughs> and I will, I, will, I will raise you, um, because here's the other thing, this is a movie that its is, it, it is all about the sins of the father these kids are paying the price for mistakes that their parents made.
1: Yes, 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 You know, and
0: Freddie, if you remember the story, you know, their parents basically burned him alive. I mean, he was a child molester, of course, and I think a child murderer, child killer. I don't, I don't... Whatever, but the parents burned him alive, and then he came back for their children. And you know the kids are paying the price for the the mistakes that their parents made. That's Gen
1: X. Yeah, no, that I totally that, 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 that. is that's more realistic than what I'm coming up. Yeah, with, I mean so. that that
0: is 100 percent Gen. I mean, that was our generation. We were the first generation. It was forecasted that we were going to do worse than our parents. We were going to be less successful. We were going to have a shorter life expectancy. I mean, I remember reading all about this. You know, Generation X was going to be the first generation that. Just, we were going to have it worse than those generations that came before, and I think that was in large part we were the last key generation. We just, you know, if you want to know where whatever comes from, you know, it, it's, it's. But we were
1: very resilient.
0: We were. Oh, we are incredibly resilient. Probably, probably the most resilient generation that has ever.
1: And, and we were the bridge, the technological bridge. Uh, I heard someone describe Gen X. We were young enough to adopt. Technology, right? Yeah. But we're old enough to complain about it. <laughs> True. You know? Yeah. Um, we, you know, we were the on the forefront of, of tech, but now I find myself all the time complaining, like, why can't I just pay cash? I go to restaurants now and you have to order, yeah. uh, you know, through an app, and I'm just like becoming a grad shield man. But yeah. Yeah.
0: But uh, no, it's it just, we are. I, I love that you say resiliency because. We, it defines us you know
1: unfortunately then according to you know the the experts uh we raised our kids to you know be way too um dependent on us and maybe because we were trying to correct the wrongs of our parents and 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 not be absent parents and in doing so um failed to give them any resilience at all because we were helicopter and lawn lawnmower parents
0: yeah and then there's a lot of truth to that um I, i don't know it doesn't speak well, to, to our legacy. Every
1: generation overcorrects, right? The the they 80s do. kids they overcorrected do. from the 60s generation. And yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah. Maybe this generation Z will have it all figured out. Probably not, because yeah. nobody ever <laughs> figures it out. Right. But hopefully we get smarter as we go on, and the sins of the father and the mother lessen as we become better parents in each generation. Yeah, very true. All but, right, so you're going to go for Nightmare and good. Yeah, I,
0: for me, it's, it, you know, it, it's horror but it is so much mm-hmm. more fun than less than zero it did give the world johnny depp it gave the yeah. world uh west craven it yeah I, I it gave us freddy I'm, i gotta go
1: let's gotta take go a look at the soundtrack just while we're here so we have aerosmith we have roy orbison
0: poison well, this is less than zero
1: yes this okay. is less than zero okay. sorry uh, LO Cool J, Slayer, Public Enemy, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, The Bangles, of course, you mentioned that. So, one big hit. We have a lot of names on here that are very Gen X. Um, let's see if Nightmare on Elm Street even had a soundtrack. I don't even know if they, I don't other know. than the freaky music. I don't know that. I mean, I remember Doc
0: and Dream Warriors. That was part three. Yeah, but yeah. I don't
1: know that. I don't even think it's seen links listed here. So, yeah, Lesson Zero is going to win on, on soundtrack. All right. Well, let's see here. I, mm. I, I got go to go nightmare. It's, it's going to die in the next round, but somehow, I got go to nightmare. Somehow Lesson Zero is darker than Nightmare you know, on Elm Street. It, it is. It just, it, <laughs> because it's a lot more realistic. Um, if Nightmare on Elm Street is some type of extended metaphor, then, then that makes sense, and that fits into the Gen X thing. Um, yeah, lesson zero is very Gen X, but I just don't see it coming out representing. Nightmare on Elm Street as such a, a fan favorite of our generation, so for that reason, um, I'm going to agree with you on that, and we'll we'll go with Nightmare on Elm Street All right. as the winner.
0: It's going to die against 16 candles anyway. Or no, actually, it's not, it's not up against 16, is it? It's, it's going to be up against San Amos Fire.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, if you look at the of yeah, the way.
0: It's going to die against San Amos Fire. Well, yeah,
1: no, no. I don't know about that one. Here's what's interesting. It's one thing for you and I to agree on something. Um, again, I'm not sure how. Uh, Alan is kind of, from the Project NX project, is the one that's kind of coordinated all of this. Um, it's going to be interesting how, how Alan decides to, if we do have eight of us, on one podcast, if we're debating the Elite Eight and trying to get to a clear winner, um, how are we gonna get consensus? Yeah, I don't know how that works. That'll be interesting. Well, we're not done, because aren't we supposed to get it down to two? We do need to take this down to two. So that means, in our upper bracket of our quadrant, we have 16 Candles versus Reality Bites. And in the lower bracket, we have to make a choice between the soundless fire and a nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I haven't given this any thought at all. Let's go with the first one. All right. Well,
0: the first one's going to be the difficult
1: one. No, no, you know, it's nice, though. They're thematically aligned, at least. They are, yes. Um, so let's go through the criteria. Soundtrack, um, I would say, has to go to Reality Bites. Over 16 Candles? Oh, 16 Candles. Why did I think it was almost Fire? Yeah, no, That's no fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so sixteen Candles. I would still, so, well, one is eighties, early eighties. One's eighties, one's nineties. 90s. 90s, so okay, I,
0: I got to give it sixteen candles if we're talking soundtrack. Although mm-hmm. it was it was an EP release, so right. you can't actually that there was no soundtrack. But
1: okay, uh, I'll I'll say it's a toss up. I might lean more towards Rally Bites, but I but I'm totally on board with sixteen candles. All right, how about as far as it representing Generation X? I see this is hard.
0: It. Both films, I think, very, very much represent generation. It depends on where you're born. In right. Generation I was just going to
1: say that Animals Fire is the older. What now? Sixteen Candles. God, why do I keep thinking <laughs> almost Fire? Yes. It, no, 16, Sixteen Candles. Sixteen Candles versus Reality Bites. Yes. Okay. So Sixteen Candles, where you're in high school. Right. Middle school, whatever, and then yes. So Reality, reality bites. bites is arguably the same age group, but now they've grown up. Yes. Okay.
0: And but it but it does you know. Where you align yourself still though speaks very much to where you where you fall in Generation X because, you know, I, th- I think of those who were born on the late end, you know, that they, they were born near nineteen eighty. Reality Bites was their high school film. Right. You know? And, you know, if you were born we we were it was born, our college, yeah, movie. we we were early seventies born and you know, Reality Bites was college. But we were in elementary
1: school when sixteen candles well, came out. That's True. Well,
0: where were we in eighty four?
1: So we would have been what twelve years old. So sixth grade, seventh grade, right on that yeah. cusp of going into middle school.
0: Yeah. Um, in fact, I remember I wanted to see Sixteen Candles so badly, and I, I could not. I, I remember asking my cousin Fran, who I she was like a big sister. We were. I, I always followed Fran around. I begged her to take me to see Sixteen Candles, and at that point, she was too cool to hang out with. You know, it was PG
1: thirteen because there was one F bomb. The very beginning too. I can't th- believe they forgot my effing birthday. PG thirteen didn't exist yet. PG
0: thirteen no, PG thirteen came after Temple of Doom,
1: didn't it? No, it was Temple of Doom and Gremlins. I guess that was later. So, did it, so was it PG or? Was I think it, it was just PG with the one F bomb. Interesting. I, I think it was PG. I believe you. I just want to verify that. I, I could be wrong. That's fine. Um, okay, so again, okay, one of the movies is. I'm going to look while I talk. One of the movies is a little bit darker than the other.
0: Well, yeah.
1: Yeah. Reality Bites is a little more, maybe, realistic. Sixteen Candles is more of like, um, I don't, how do I say? Not a right, fantasy It's It's a comedy. But. It's I mean, a comedy in, in but large it's a, part. It's it's, it's it's a it's a lot brighter. Um, it's the a, issues aren't as heavy. Well, it's a fairy tale. Yes. Let's fairy tale. let's call it what it is. Okay. It's, it's you know, Samantha. That's perfect. That's at, Sam I, and fantasy. Jake
0: were a fan. Were and especially you know the the nerd ending up with the you know the cheerleader. I mean it was it was a fairy tale without question.
1: All right. I find every single thing about 16 Candles, but the rating. So I'm going to look it up here because now that's going to bug me if I, I don't and I can't type uh, well we don't want to know the rating by critics I want to know what it was rated in the movie theater uh, just look for the movie poster Oh, that's a good idea it should be on the movie poster here's a movie poster and um, <laughs> no rating on the poster uh, you haven't found it yet you need to find the cast listing and why are we... We're just type in an
0: original movie
1: poster. What is it? The MPAA rating. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That'll that'll narrow things down for us. Except you're still on images. All... And they're still giving us audience rating. Oh, we're going to... If it takes an hour, we're going to figure... it's 16... Here we go. Is, PG. PG. Ding, ding, right. ding ding right. Ding. Okay, PG. so that's probably one of those movies like Gremlins and Indiana Jones that helped propel... Yeah. The PG-13 rating. Yeah, I was okay. going
0: to say, because I, I, I very much remember it was Temple of Doom that basically brought PG-13. And maybe and maybe Gremlins us. was
1: the first PG-13 movie. That's why I'm thinking that.
0: I, I thought Gremlins was... P- I, 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 All right. Anyway, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't why matter.
1: We have long podcasts. Yeah. Um. All right. So we got to make a decision between the fairy tale and the kind of a little bit darker, but with hope. There's, there's hope. It's not like lesson zero. It ends with hope.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, they... You know, they, they come together finally, on and Ethan Hawke. They they are a couple. See, if but this were Pretty in Pink,
1: I would say it's, it's more of a balance because Pretty in Pink was a little bit raw view of things. See, I, you know, I, I, I like 16 Candles. I would rather watch 16 Candles over and over again. I would too. But Reality Bites really hits the theme maybe harder, do you think? It does, but just like St. Elmo's Fire... Sixteen Candles is the Brad Pack. Sixteen
0: Candles, I mean, think of the names of the. I mean, Anthony Michael Hall and John Cusack and Molly, Molly freaking Ringwald. Yeah, I, I no, just, no, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, she was America's sweetheart. I mean, they will got their chance with Breakfast Club, which I think most people would pick. Breakfast Club. Oh, they
0: they would. And here's the thing. I I, I I've already stated the obvious. I will take Winona right over over Molly Ringwald any day. <laughs> so I don't want to. Ivana, you mean? I, I Yeah. Ivana, yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, we are still a family-friendly we podcast. We are. You're, you're not going to put it together, huh? You're not going to say it No, without. we're not going to say it. Okay. Um, yeah, so do we go with the lighter film or do we go with the darker film? Do we go with the f- film that's a little more fun to watch or do we go with the film that kind of challenges what, uh, what everyone thought of our generation? Well,
0: here's the question. Are we looking for the film that, you know, these characters... Do we know the characters of Reality Bites? Were do I mean, were they living, breathing?
1: They were. I think they were a lot better developed than most of the characters in Sixteen okay. Candles.
0: I, I agree, and and certainly I feel like I knew them.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. I yeah I, yeah they, they oh, em- I see what you're yeah. you were saying these people that we yes. yeah they yes, embodied yes, yes, people yes, 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 that
0: I knew that yep. I went to school with that yep. I was friends with. Yep. Sixteen Candles was still a teen comedy. Yeah, and we know that teen comedy is the eighties. Everything that happens in those films. Of course, never happens in real life. Right. So, if we're really looking to, I think if we're looking to choose a film that truly represents us and embodies us, I prefer sixteen handles. But I think
1: reality bites. I agree. I agree. Reality bites. I'm with
0: you. Okay.
1: There. We've justified it to so all those people that will now hate us. Yeah,
0: of... we just threw away John Hughes. Uh, uh, but glad... there's, there's,
1: there's, Breakfast Club breakfast, is going to do well.
0: Yeah, br- Breakfast Club may win the whole day. Because Breakfast
1: Club does what rally Bites does, and yeah. it's not much a, a, as a fairy tale, but has the Brad Pack aspect to it. Yeah, which,
0: let's just get this out of the way. The Breakfast Club would never work today.
1: Well, no, because I mean, they would just be on their phones Yeah, they, the
0: Yeah, Saturday school, they'd, they'd all be on their phones. They would never talk to each other, and it, it is clearly Gen X, so I would not be surprised if it wins the whole thing. Well,
1: let's take, let's take a little intermission from our next bracket. I want to briefly, and I meant to do this at the top of the show, is talk about the other films that are in this tournament. Oh, we can yeah, talk yeah. about the other brackets. Yeah, the okay. brackets. So we are in the west bracket, and I'm going to go back here, and we're going to look at the other brackets. So in the north bracket... And I, I don't remember who has what as far as the podcast. But yeah, I don't remember. We have Fast Times at Richmond High, and we—by the way, we can't debate these because we'll be forever. So we're just going to—we're just going to read them.
0: I know. I tell you what, this first pairing hurts. <laughs> yes,
1: Fast Times at Richmond High versus Before Sunrise.
0: We can't debate that.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Fast Times is Fast Times is going to win. Is Gen X. But Before Sunrise is one of my favorite movies. Mine of all too. Time, so. I if if we had
0: this bracket, I would go Before Sunrise.
1: Then you have Hackers versus Clueless. Yep. Is Clueless more of a millennial movie? No, it was, no? It was, was it more. It okay. was nineties.
0: 90s, 90s um, well.
1: Rivers Edge versus Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure,
0: which is a very odd pairing.
1: And Repo Man versus Boys in the Hood, also a very odd pairing. Um, in the South. Oh, good. Oh, I was one? just gonna
0: say it's it's that one. You said you're glad we, you, we didn't get the North. I think that would have been a no, that would have been to good. argue. It, really. This is
1: the one that I would have uh, liked to have. I like the one we have actually, but this one would be Fight Club versus Party Girl. Because um, Fight Club's one of my favorite oh, movies of yeah. all time. Uh, Wayne's World isn't that just Bill and Ted's with Mike Myers? <laughs> it, it is, yeah. Wayne's World versus Gross Point Blank, which, which is another great uh, movie. Yeah. Uh, Say Anything versus Train Spotting. Again, that's a tough one because you have a dark movie versus it a fairy is, tale.
0: I, yeah, I, I want I wanted to debate, but this, these we are not these can't, are not our brackets. Yeah, and this, then
1: SLC, which is Salt Lake City Punk, versus Breakfast Club. I don't know SLC. Yeah, it was kind of a minor film. It was a Salt Lake City punk. Yeah, I I don't
0: know don't know the title.
1: Um, East, we have uh, Empire Records. Great movie versus Heathers. One oh, of my favorites. I love Heathers, yeah. Uh, screen versus SFW. The screen, I
0: feel, is very millennial.
1: Yes. and, and I think and, it is. I mean, it, it's Wes Craven's introduction yeah. to a new generation. It is, yeah. Uh, Clerks versus Singles. Boy, that would be a I tough would, one. I would
0: not want that pairing.
1: Wow. Yeah. And then High Fidelity versus Red Dawn. That's a tough one, too. It
0: is, but we are a mixtape uh, yes, podcast. So you can't choose... You can't choose red. so
1: much discussion of Red Dawn yeah. now with what's going on in Ukraine. Oh
0: yeah, well, oh you know? hell yes, but yeah, John Cusack he wins on that one. I um I, I don't know. I just it's going to be really interesting to see what makes the elite. I eight.
1: think Breakfast Club's the favorite. I think Breakfast Club, but here's the thing. But, I, and Clark said it has to be a favorite too, I think. But yeah, I just Breakfast Club Fight Club. Breakfast Club is the
0: clear. It's Gen X, right. but I almost want. To subvert expectations and argue against it on principle, I, which sounds really horrible. I wouldn't do that, but it's just I'm, I'm all about the dark horses, you know. Oh, I know, I know. I, it's just because Breakfast in Club is uh, Breakfast in Club, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Breakfast in Tiffany's. Yeah, no, that's a
0: yeah. Uh, talk about Asian. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. that didn't yeah. age well, yeah. did it? Yeah. Mickey Rooney. I um. No, I just Breakfast Club is just so it's so cliche now. I guess is the, is the problem, but it's cliche for a reason. It, it
1: well, you know, they talk about um, culture appropriation. It's generational appropriation for whatever reason. It is, yeah. The other generations loved it, which I'm glad that they could share in it, but I think they made it something that's too obvious. Um, for us, again, in the time period, like we talked about with Reality Bites, it wasn't as, as obvious. Well,
0: yeah, I don't think anybody expected this this throwaway teenage.
1: That takes place in one location. I yeah. remember my dad told me, they said, you know, there's a movie out, and the whole movie takes place in a library. And I think his point was that would be really boring. And I remember thinking, that's cool. I want to see if they can pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, All right. So uh, back to uh, our second one. So we have um, Reality Bites as the winner in the upper bracket. In the lower bracket, we have to decide between St. Elmo's Fire and (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street. Two different genres.
0: We may disagree on this one. I I don't know. I'm going Nightmare on Elm Street. Hmm. And I'll tell you why. The characters in that, including Freddy Krueger, are so much more likable than St. Elmo's Fire. I I don't know. It's the Brad Pack. I get that. I just... I do not like San, I I, I never cared for San Elmo's Fire. I think we were too young.
1: Yeah, San, I mean... St. Elmo's Fire... I didn't, I'm didn't. i sure I didn't get all of the... Yeah, I, it just... I mean, issues, but... You know,
0: we just talked about The Breakfast
1: Club. Yeah. St.
0: Elmo's Fire, to me, felt much older. Well, it was. It, was, than the, it, it almost felt like The Big Chill. You know, I yeah. remember watching the big show i i wasn't watching it my parents watching the big show as i was in the room and I didn't see a whole lot of difference at, at age eight, at age nine, between the big show and Animal Style. No, fired.
1: definitely, it was adult issues. Um, I remember watching it as an outsider. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't get it in terms of being able to relate to it. I enjoyed it, but you're right; it's not something that we were at that age be able to right understand. But of course,
0: Gen X starts at 65, so you know, 65 to to 80. So if you're on the early end,
1: yeah, no, then then that's, then that's probably that was your movie. that was your movie, yeah. Um, we're like right in the sweet spot, aren't we?
0: We are, yeah. I mean, early. okay.
1: Well, you know what? Like, if, 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 you know, we were up against, let's say, Fight Club or Clerks, you know, I'd, I'd definitely give you an argument. But,
0: oh, well, if we were up against either of those films, then
1: St. Elmo's Fire, again, we talked about this, but it represents that transition from college into the real world, as does Reality Bites, as does Singles. Um, in many ways, clerks, um, and so of all of those movies, St. Almost Fire is the weakest, and uh, we don't have a lot of horror represented here in this yeah. tournament.
0: We have we have this, and
1: it is the scream. It is the Gen X horror movie. I mean, as much as, of course, Halloween and, and Friday the Thirteenth, all those, but those were were made earlier, yeah. or at least the the franchise franchises started earlier. This was kind of our own monster for our generation.
0: Well, in fairness, Halloween mm-hmm. was what seventy nine.
1: 78 uh, I think 78 because
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, Friday the 13th was
1: 1980 so th- yeah. they're not that much but but in kid years that's, but in ki- a, that's, a, that's it, yeah. a lot of years no, you're,
0: you're right yeah I
1: 84 um... so in that way I'll, I'll go I'll go with I, I have no problem going with The Nightmare on Elm Street because it, it, especially if you read into it too much like I do I can see it definitely fits that yeah yeah uh that idea of the suburbs and, and and that became a common theme in a lot of shows for Gen X okay. escaping the suburbs remember Edward Scissorhands. Oh, oh
0: yes, that uh, yep.
1: was another example. Yeah, there's there a lot of that. just And that is kind of true, because think about it, like our generation, especially the millennials, maybe even more so than our generation. But, you know, kind of started to break out from that. And now you're seeing, of course, gentrification is not great for the people that live in those areas, right? Because they're displaced. But, you know, this idea of when you and I were growing up, if we went to downtown canton or akron we might not make it home and now on a thursday night we can go down to buzz and watch some local band oh, yeah. play and feel perfectly, perfectly safe. safe yeah uh, and there's all sorts of really cool places to eat and and, and art stores and and bookshops and things that we would have totally been into as teenagers right. uh, that didn't exist and, and so that's kind of cool that yeah it's the renaissance because yeah. the suburb definitely doesn't have those things suburbs doesn't have it, you know, it's bedroom community, right? You, you stay, you sleep here, and then you go elsewhere yeah. for fun.
0: And it, it, everything looks the same. Every house looks the same. Yeah. We're
1: talking about my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, mine's not much different. Yeah. I, yeah I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just really, I gotta go to nightmare on straight.
1: Yep. Street. All right. Yeah, I do. All right. Well, we will report back to Alan from Project Gen X that our choices are. Reality Bites, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Well,
0: but, you know, if you're looking at the bracket, it's in the fairness, number one and, it's the
1: number one and number two seeds. Yeah, that does make sense. And Although, I don't know the seeds were really...
0: I I don't think it...
1: Because I, I think I, there's a comment here on Instagram where somebody already questioned that. So, yeah. what was the reply? Did Alan reply to that? He said, luck of the draw. Of the draw. So, it was definitely luck yeah, of the draw. That, which so. is
0: what I figured. I, um, but but still, nonetheless, I Nightmare on Elm Street dies in the next round. But I just... St. fires Fire is so we. You put St. Nemo's Fire against Reality Bites, it's the same movie. And in my mind, Reality Bites wins. So I don't see a point in. Nightmare on Elm Street, at least, was different. It it just. It launched so many careers and it, it gave us an icon yep. that scared the hell out of our. I mean, Gen X, make no mistake, I think horror is such an integral part of our popular culture. Mm-hmm. More so than any generation that came before. I mean, I.
1: Yeah, because we were alone so much. We were, yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, the urban legends, yeah, you know, that yeah. that played such
1: a an integral role in. in Talking on the phone, I thought those. Think yeah. about the phone and scream. It's oh, used yeah. in. What was the one where the well, when a stranger, the house, crawls, when a stranger yeah. calls? the calls coming from within the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, well, even some didn't he, Freddie he, come through the phone on yeah, one of the he, yeah. Yeah,
0: he knows you're alone. That was another one. Yeah, where the said, Yeah, baby sit, yeah. It, it's just. I, I don't know. I I'm happy with our picks. Yeah,
1: I am too. Well, um, hopefully, if this goes as planned, uh, if you're listening to us, maybe it's the first of the four. Maybe you're joining us and you've listened to some of the other podcasts. But we definitely encourage you to listen to all four, unless they stitch them all together. But that would be a pretty long podcast. That would be a
0: very long podcast. So
1: I'm guessing we're gonna we're gonna release them on our own platforms individually and cross
0: promote. Well, I can't wait. I, I'm I'm so hungry to hear what the other three podcasts do with their brackets. Um, in part because I want to know are they gonna vote like me? You know, right. I, I just really. I tell you what, Before Sunrise and Fast Times, that is like, that is, I'm so glad we did. I think we would have advanced Before Sunrise because I know you and I, but it's also Phoebe Cates and The Red Bikini. Yeah, oh yeah. How, how do you stop? Jeff Spicoli. Yeah, have, um, it's the most paused scene in cinematic history. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it just,
1: Well, and then you have, um, uh, again, I'm having a senior moment. Um, Cameron Crowe, I mean Cameron Crowe is another voice of our generation. Oh too. yeah, so, yeah. Um, Fast Times fits right in with that.
0: Well, and you mentioned Clueless. But Clueless is definitely Gen X. And
1: Singles was Cameron Crowe too. Yeah, because uh, Clueless was. Uh, I have not seen Clueless. You, you've never seen Clueless, I've never seen Clueless really? Clueless. It's, it's which uh, is weird because I was hung up on Alicia well, Silverstone. Amy Heckerling, she wrote she wrote the script
0: for Fast Times and Clueless. Oh okay, same same. same okay. uh, same. I'll have to check it out. Same author. Um, or, or Screen, what, screenwriter sc- screenwriter yeah. thank you yeah um, I don't know I'm, I'm excited to see how this pans out so
1: alright well if you stuck with us this long again thank you for listening to us uh, go on and on <laughs> um, but uh, this is nice it, it's nice uh, just kind of going off the cuff and going with our memories um, if we were we might have been off on a few things yeah I was going to say so we, our memories are off but we tried to uh,
0: might have gotten in fact I realize now the irony because I said I'm not a fan of David Spade you know what other movie had a David Spade cameo? And what movie is that? Reality Bites. Was he? Yeah, he he actually is the manager of a fast food restaurant that Winona goes and tries to get a job at, and oh, he won't hire her. Interesting. And now that I think about that, because I just watched it not too long ago,
1: yeah.
0: um, but he doesn't play David Spade in that. Yeah, movie, right. That doesn't
1: play his if, character. If that
0: makes sense, he doesn't play. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's
1: this was a lot of fun. You
0: I want I want to give a shout out. I mean it. This was a brilliant idea, you
1: know? Yeah. So, shout out again to the Project Gen X yeah. podcast for Alan and Dave, Alan, the other Dave, Alan and Dave, yeah. <laughs> for setting this up. And also to yeah. the, uh, the Grown Up Gen X podcast and Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast for also participating in this. Very cool.
0: Yeah. And I don't, there's even a part of me that hopes we, Collaborate like this again?
1: Yeah, and, and boy, if they can find a way to have all eight of us—not <laughs> only the technology and, and the fact that being able to line up everyone's schedules—that's going to be difficult yeah. enough. But yeah. then to be able to have a, a discussion, we almost need like a Lord of the Rings like digital conch shell that we can <laughs> pass around so everyone doesn't just speak over top because we're bad enough. You and I, I can't imagine eight people that like to talk, but um, uh, it would be interesting.
0: Yeah. I don't
1: know. All right. And by the way, we are coming back with uh, our, our regularly scheduled uh, episodes um, sometime in May. Yeah. We, uh, we don't have a definite date, but we're no, in May.
0: I th- we're probably, my best guess, maybe six weeks away from, yeah. from season three. And we'll so. tease
1: out the first episode is 1982. Yeah. And I noticed, I think it was the, was it, I'm sorry, one of the podcasts has, um, it might have been the Project Gen X podcast. Um, has an episode on movies from 1982. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's interesting that we both picked that year. Yeah, well, it makes
0: sense, 40th. In fact, you know, I even thought at one point, do we go 72 or 82? You know, do we go 40 or 50? But 82 was such an incredible year of music. Yeah, 82, so very eclectic. Which we'll talk about when the time comes. yep.
1: All right. Anything else you want to add, there, Alan?
0: No, no. I'm I'm happy. I'm content. We did good.
1: All right. We yeah, did well. Well, well, well hopefully they, they hopefully they invite us back.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh. And a hot funk, cool punk. Even if it's old junk, another mix of memories awaits in May. But for now. What the hell do I say? It's bad. For, I, <laughs> <laughs> but for now, for now, flip something over. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: press pause. Lift the, lift the needle. Lift the needle and hit eject. Oh, oh, oh my god! You
1: don't flip the record there no, for some reason. I thought no, you, you do
0: re- This is what happens when you're on hiatus. You know, uh. it's it's just it. Okay, let me try that again. Yeah. All right, so. Press pause and lift the needle and hit eject, and we will see you there. On the flip side. On the flip side, yes. We'll we'll have it done in May. It'll, (laughs) It'll work when the time comes.